1: and welcome to kickass boomers. My guest today is Naveen Chadar. Naveen is a scientist and an author living in Germany, born in India. He migrated to Germany at an early age for studies at the Technical University of Berlin. He has a PhD in chemistry and chemical engineering. Besides his profession as a research scientist in the German industry, he was also (laughs) active in entertainment. Naveen is the author of three books. The second book published in 2015 is Candlelight in a Storm, Born to be a Berliner, the biography of a German woman born in Berlin during World War II and fleeing from west to east and back again in Germany during the Cold War. Welcome, Naveen. How are you today?
0: Well, fine. Thank you. I'm really delighted. Thank you very much for the invitation. And how are you?
1: I'm great, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. It sounds like a really interesting story, and because I have relatives in that come from Berlin. It makes the story even more exciting for me because, uh, you know, reading it, I'll be able to get a little bit of background on the city. So, and I was there once I went to Berlin once, but I wasn't there very long. So I didn't get to see a lot. I want to get back one day, but my father-in-law was born there. So I've got that connection. So you have a scientific background and yet you chose to write a novel how old were you when you started writing your novel? And was it hard to go from being a scientist, dealing with the facts, to an author which is more creative?
0: It is. Uh, well, the, I, I did not think along these lines at all. It just happened, turned out for me, when I retired, I was still uh, in my profession for about 11 months, uh, touring all over the world with my wife, presenting my paper, uh, or uh, and uh, giving lectures. It was in in Boston or in Australia or in Hong Kong and so on. Then it all stopped. All other activities I had planned as a boomer, having retired, it all had to stop because I could not commit myself to any kind of an appointment. My wife fell ill. She had a brain hemorrhage and two brain operations. And after that, I, I was stuck at home. So that was a time when I thought of uh, at least uh, writing, because I was writing scientific papers. Now I could write, write about her life. Another part is I used to live here away from my family, away from my background, and listening to the Germans with their family backgrounds and whatever they, whenever they used to meet, they used to talk about the Russian occupation, and it was Berlin anyway, about the French occupation, and so on and on and on. i had heard enough, I would say. But still, and every time it if it is Christmas or whatever, the, the mom and their children, they'd all sit there and miss the father and so on. It be it, it, repetitive. I could understand that. Even now I do it now with my grandchildren. Right. Uh, but I could understand, but i uh, I just thought, if it's all going on wrong, it's worth putting it down on paper. So I did not even ask a permission. I just started off. After I began, then I thought, oh, this is something where I could really get uh, quite a lot of trouble with all other people knowing so much and they would say, here, you made a mistake, there, you made a mistake. And so being a scientist, I wanted to speak to the truth, the only the truth and nothing but the truth and make sure that everything I could say, who told me and what and, and quotations and all this. Right. So this became a kind of a research. It was a research. I enjoyed the research. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was afraid that I have to go away to Berlin and sit there in the famous library I knew with American assistance in Berlin, and there I had heard the original records of Mussolini and and of, uh, of Hitler and they're all there. So I thought I must go there, take off uh, for four or five weeks, sit there, and I couldn't do it. And luckily, well, luckily, right. Right. I- internet came up. That's mm-hmm. so what I'm telling the boomers now. You're young enough. For, for the internet, yes. I, I, I was almost too old for that, but I got into that bec- as an internet and that became uh, for me, It I could check and double check and from there I could get the references and, and get the books or whatever publications from there right. on. Yeah. And it was easier for me and uh, this was a great help. And I wrote on always uh, starting from, the, from her point of view. The ploy was for me using my own wife as a so so her side of the story is about the German women staying back or maybe her mother, her mother went through as a, as a widow. So I I got all these stories together and I started using my wife as a vehicle, not a personal biography, not a personal story, but something from where I could take off and say how what happened to the others, What hap- how the others got on, what happened to Berlin and East Germany and all these things. I had in my mind that the people who would like to read would be the progeny, the two or three generations later. But I thought of writing in English as a truly because I, I didn't have the command of German. I don't even have now the command of German in writing literature. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a different matter than writing scientific objective and drab sentences. (laughs) Uh, They had to be emotional. Okay. So I decided on English. And I also had in my mind, people like you all from living abroad and not knowing German, but wanting to know because you didn't know all these stories. Uh, You're an exception, but usually they they have heard something. But it's one thing that you presented so that was my, uh, let's say, uh, my view of, uh, I said the German would not read, all the Germans know these stories, every person has its own family story, you would like to remember it all, you'd like to push it away, and they would care. Yes. Well, it turned out that I was, you know, when you start a story, any person must know who is going to read it.
1: Right, that's true.
0: <laughs> if you cannot serve those people who are going to read it, if you're going to offend them or, going to go, or, or you cannot make it, then drop it. Right. So this is the discussion I was having in my mind. Then I said, okay, now you just start writing. And after writing, I was surprised that um, the whole world wanted to know all the way up to India and even Argentina and Brazil, because right? they were still, they were still curious, as you said. They wanted to read stories and not what was being taught in school. Right. So, right. Yeah, and, very... and
1: Germans are all over the world. Like in Pennsylvania, yes. we have a very large German population. So, yes. and and they've been here for years, but they still want to hear about yes. Germany because they've got a connection there. Maybe exactly. their great great grandparents are from Germany, so they want to hear. So, like the uh, Dutch Germans here, they still speak German. Yeah, they do yeah. Teach German yeah. and teach it to their kids. So yeah, so there are a lot of people that would be interested in the story.
0: And uh, another another point for me was um, there were enough books written about the Holocaust right. and about the victory by the occupying forces, good mm-hmm. over the evil, and there are also enough books written uh, and, and by Germans who left uh, Germany just after the war as children, 10 or 12 years old or so. Mm -hmm. And and they have written also. But here I was going to, my concentration was not on the World War, more on the Cold War, what happened after 45, because that's what my wife went through. Of course, for the other part, I had my mother-in-law who could tell me the whole thing about what happened. So I could bridge nearly 100 years of past of Germany Having lived myself now, I I don't know, I've I lived 60 years there. And another part was a German, in fact, my own physician told me, a German would not have dared write such a story at all. Right. Uh, because of the what you call the collective guilt of, of that generation, the next generation, and so on and on. Even my children were born and brought up in Germany. Now, now, now less, uh, less than 50 years old. So so because of that, and he congratulated me and, and quite a few people said, you could write it because you're an immigrant. So yeah. this is what I'm trying to talk to all those immigrants. I was not writing about India. I was not grumbling about Indian conditions and so on. Nor was I writing about Indian culture or dreaming of it or dreaming of the German culture. No, I was just poking into something which I had not witnessed, but only listened. So that's all I could say. I was not an eyewitness at all, but still it was okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that that perspective is really good. And then you said it like a novel, but there's a lot of truth to it. And that's good too, because I think people can digest things easier when it's written as a novel yeah, than if yeah, it yeah. was a true story and you're trying yes. to get a point yes. across all the time, it's much easier. And, yes. and it's more fun to read when it's a novel. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, you're right. That's
1: great. So what reaction did your wife and her family have when the book came out? Were they happy? Were they like, what were their feelings and emotions over the book?
0: Well, uh, first it was written in English, so nobody would read it. (laughs) Then I got it translated. It took one year. Mm -hmm. They they knew that I had written written a book. And they were curious not to know about my wife because they knew the whole story. But right. they wanted to know how I put it. And after reading, uh, they, they were really uh, quite happy about it. Uh, only my mother-in-law had passed away. She passed away a couple of years before even I started writing. But her, In fact, uh, my wife and her brother, I invited them. I made arrangement to go to the place where they grew up in East Germany. I talked to the mayor there, and he was very receptive. So they could even visit the place where they had grown up.
1: Oh, that's interesting! That's yeah, that's great.
0: And the lady who was living there, she was highly excited. So in these things were. There were, of course, the family was uh, highly excited about being reminded of all, all this. And another story is that uh, my son had a friend who went to the German army, mm-hmm. and from there he took it upon himself to look into all the registry in Moscow and in Berlin and covered the whole story about my father-in-law. He was on the, at the front, and he even uh, checked out if my father-in-law had any involvement in Jewish persecution or evacuation. So he gave us a clear uh, document saying that it was not the case. He was at the front, and he died in the Battle of uh, Stalingrad. And uh, after that, you know, then 1943, I think it, the, the Germany started losing the ground from then on. Right, uh, right. So, so that was, uh, uh, so these are all the moments I had to, I had to discover and I was allowed. And luckily so many years had were gone, so there was no objection at all. It was well received. There has been no protest, nothing at all.
1: Right. Yeah. You need a little bit of time. You couldn't have done it right after the war. Uh, everybody needed time yeah. to yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. get over all the emotion. And uh, it took a long time for a lot of people. But yeah, um, yeah, now yeah. it's good time. And no,
0: nobody questioned me. How come you are? What, what's your concern? Well, what are you bothered here with this? No, nobody, nothing like that. At all.
1: That's good. <laughs> That's good. And, you know, my father-in-law was from Berlin and he fought in the war and there were five brothers all together. My father-in-law is the only one that returned after the war. And he came back with no fingers and he was a tailor. So it was really a hard time. And my husband was born in Germany in 1945. So he remembers he kind of was born right as the war was ending. But he remembers how hard it was living right after the war. It took years. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't, you know, there weren't building supplies. So he remembers a lot about that time, too. And I guess he wasn't as involved in the Cold War as much, but, you know, growing up, going to school, that type of thing. But when they wanted to enlist him in the army, he left the country. He said, you are not I am not going into the German army. No way. So he went into the Merchant Marine. So he just left went on a ship and uh, traveled the world because he goes, I'm not going into you killed my father's brothers and a lot of other people. No way. I'm not going to go. So. He, he took mm-hmm. off. Every time they tried to get, he'd come home for a while, they try and get him. He'd leave again. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, interesting. Interesting.
0: Now, now, you, now you will understand uh, Angela Merkel uh, inviting all refugees without any kind of, uh, because they suffered themselves.
1: Yes. Being yes.
0: refugees, being, being thrown around, not only the Germans, of course, the Poles and others, also all the turmoil of the Second World War. So there they have a different feeling. Another point is they are high, they know have a high sympathy about bombs falling on your head. it it happened in Syria, the people in India, for instance, they cannot imagine this. So yep. when I visit my relatives, I had to tell them what it is, what a terror it is. And that's the reason that it shows another kind of wave of emotion among, among Germans and, and, and the middle Europeans when they hear about people suffering now with bombs falling in the head, that happened in Syria.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They can feel for it. I interviewed another woman who lives in the United States. She's been here for years, Yvonne Kay. And she was in London when they were dropping bombs. So she was born in Great Britain and lived there and then came over here later. And she was terrified. And she said, even today, she has PTSD because of, you know, certain sounds and all bring you right back to the war when the bombs yeah. were dropping. Yeah. 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 And it's so many years later, but it's something that unless you get help for it, and she has, it's still a reminder. It's still a reminder. It's hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, these are the things that got into my wife's head, missing her father and the bombs. Right. And right. And, and she hated Hitler, of course. Whenever yep. he was once, so he came up on the TV. She, she went and spat on the A TV. I TV. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't come and cleaned up. Uh, well, uh, the emotions are there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A, and and I mean, the German people, you know, didn't necessarily want him in power, but he got there and they had to deal with it. And it was hard on them, just like World War II was hard in the United States, although we didn't have any bombings, but we sent a lot of young men over that died during World War Two. So a lot yeah. of families were affected. But at least we didn't have to deal with the bombings and all the other stuff yeah, and having yeah. cities like some German cities were just wiped out and they had to rebuild. I mean, that's yeah. a horrible thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So these these are the aspects which are true, and only in the, in the form of a story or yes. our feeling for a protagonist or a person, you get yes. to know how that person feels. That's the way I felt for the people, yes, uh, as a stranger, and I wanted the readers to have the same kind of experience.
1: I think that's good. I think that was good. So what advice do you have for my Boomer Nation? If they have a story they would like to share with the world, can you give them a little bit of advice? How hard is it to get started writing? How long did uh, it take you? Like what kind of advice do you have for them?
0: Yeah. As I tell you, in fact, I, I, <laughs> I come from a writing background. My mom was um, started very early, just after after she had the first child. And she became a, she was a renowned in India in two languages. And, and so I grew up with her discussing with the publishers and all these sort of stuff. And then how to describe a, a sunset and how to, uh, again, rewrite the, the sentence and all. But I never thought of writing myself because I was involved with other, I had so many other. Um,
1: Great. As a scientist, uh, I, you're,
0: uh. I was into into science. I was into entertainment. I was into mm-hmm. yoga. I was doing all these simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I never thought of writing. It only after after my wife fell ill. First, I started writing. That's one way to myself mm-hmm. a diary. And this diary, I was not going to show it to anybody. So I could I could commit all kinds of grammatical mistakes or, or use any language mixed Right. And then, then I started writing from there. It became, I started writing poems.
1: Wow!
0: First I wrote lyrics and poems. And later on, yeah, mostly philosophical and, and tragic poems. This happened because I had to sit with my wife. She was having epileptic attacks or she was, once uh, well, she broke her leg and having a fracture. So anything could happen to her that went on for 18 years and, until she died. So all this time, I was sitting next to her or near her, always listening to. Even at night, I had to. If I was watching TV, I was going to look look for her once or twice. She had collapsed again. Oh. So this is a horrible time. It went on for uh, till 2017, mm-hmm. starting in 1999, and there I could just scribble something. I didn't, of course, I didn't have the computer, and I could just take a piece of paper always and scribble some thoughts to console myself. So right. that's why I started. So I, I never thought I'd become a writer that way. I didn't have that uh, ambition at all. And later on, I came to write this book, which took me four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, starting with the research and not getting lost in research because it was real fun. No, but I had to say, no, come on, that's enough. Now come back and start writing. <laughs> so I, I would I would give the, the, the help how to start writing. I would just say, start writing for its own sake, that is to say, first, we thought... as a diary. It could be a personal essay. It could be some humorous remark. It could be you just sit in a cafe and observe two girls... Uh, who are 18 and they are talking. You cannot listen, but you can just watch them and you can say what they're discussing. They are discussing about the hairdo. They are discussing about the clothes. How do you know that? Because you're observing. What are you observing? they just gest- the gesticulations. So now they have changed the topic. Now they're talking. The, she's uh, One of them is talking about a boyfriend. So this sort of observation and humor with humor. And then you come home and write a scene. If you don't like to write a scene, Write just your own personal essay, how you were at that age. So that way, write for writing's sake and read it after a week. Another point is for the boomers, they are old enough to write letters.
1: Mm. In fact,
0: I wrote a poem. The whole poem is, please write me a letter.
1: (laughs) Right. We used to write them all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the boomers would be the last, perhaps the last of the kind, writing Regular letters, and not just an email, not a telegraphic sentence. Uh, no worries, uh, no problems. But here you make and start writing letters. So there you have a recipient, you have somebody in mind, and you write to that person for uh, maybe for birthday. Make maybe, and, and then you can also start writing your, including your poem, perhaps. So mm-hmm. this is only one person who is going to read. But you get some courage. So right. these are all the small aspects, and you don't need years to become a writer, but you need a couple of weeks and months for the elements of writing. One of them is uh, show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. So you have to show because the reader has to, and it's a it's a visual age now. The boomers have to be reminded. All the young people they they look and they don't want to read much at all. They want to they watch the YouTube and so on. Right. So you have to make it visual. Mm-hmm. much more than in the 100 years ago, Virginia Woolf, and they, 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 they could go on writing about it for, for people who would like to sit down somewhere in the corner and read it. I right. think of Jane Eyre sitting somewhere and reading the book. Right. So, so today they don't have the, they don't have, they have mm-hmm. another way in the advertisement. Everything is visual. So try to make it, let it show and don't tell. So Mm -hmm. these are all the small exercises you do as you are writing. And write personal essays. I was going to the market and there a Chinese-looking man coming with a long cucumber to the market. And I just started writing, oh, I just wondered that now they are also importing cucumber from from China. So you can start like that, make a remark, you would not make it all, but make it on your diary. And from right. there, you take off. So that's a easy way, personal essay. And also, all, all short stories. And, and in poems, you can write without rhyme and rhythm. You don't need it. You don't need it because you're not showing it to anybody. You don't want to make it perfect. And also, it's a time of uh, free verse. In a free verse, you just break the lines. Even, even uh, Emily Dickinson wrote free verse. So <laughs> <Right. laughs> she right. lots of ellipses and <laughs> yeah, you can do that. So that's a way of writing, and and uh, the convenience, technical convenience you have. You don't have to look for paper and and, 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 and ink and all that. You can start <laughs> typing off and altering yeah, the sentences. So so easy. You, know, you, th- you think of Hemingway and other people sitting with a typewriter. And <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's it's so convenient. It's all the and the internet. So these are all things that are coming on you. But in internet because of internet, you should not get lazy. Don't write uh, email, even if it's an email, make complete sentences. I yes. think of punctuation and, and, and right. uh, uh, yeah. give, give a good example for the youngster.
1: Good. That's good advice. That's good advice. So they know where to start, because I think a lot of us have stories we would like to write about, but we don't think we're writers and we don't know where to start. But you no. gave them some idea of exercises to do to kind of build up to writing, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a good start.
0: Yeah, and and the goal should never be making money or getting famous. Never.
1: No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Nope. It, it, because it odd. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. You're not probably going to get famous from your book, yeah. and you're probably not going to make a lot of money. If you yeah. do, you're lucky. But but just getting your story out there, and even if it's just for a story that your family would benefit from and would love to hear, yeah, that's yeah, okay yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, you know, yeah. write a little story. My grandmother wrote her story about the war put it into a little book. She had it published just for the family members. So Mm -hmm. I still have a couple. She wrote it in German first, and then it was translated into English. So I have copies of both. And she wrote it for the family because she wanted the family to know what it was like during the war, Mm -hmm. how hard it was. And especially the ones that were here in the US, we didn't know. We had no idea. So it was really, really nice to have that from her. So I think more of us should think about putting things down on paper for your family, for your children and your great grandchildren. Put it down for them, if nobody else.
0: Quite yes, and uh, I would also say it's um, a nice. Um, it's so, so simple. In the COVID times, you mm-hmm. don't have to dress up, you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to have any appointment. It's not like playing tennis where you. you have to. You cannot disappoint. You mean uh, uh, if you are not feeling. Well, you had to go because you'll be disappointing your partner. So right. nothing like that. You write when you please. That's right. a good part. And the bad part is it is a lonely affair. You are lonely. But if you're enjoying doing it, you don't feel lonely at all. And if you start writing and creating characters, there comes a time when the characters start telling you what to do and ah. start start repelling.
1: So oh, about that, I,
0: when my, my my wife fell ill, I had to put off the next book I wrote. I started in 2016, and she passed away one year later. So I had to put that off. And she used to joke saying that you are more in love with that heroine than in me. So and then I had to put that off. And the yeah. characters were rippling because right. I was my mind was not okay, and right. I put that off. They were orphaned for okay. years and then I got back and by the time they had all uh, cleared up all their problems and, <laughs> and I could finish my book. Right. So right. so you're not alone, you do have your characters, you do have words there uh, you and go. you're kind yeah. of a movie director and that's another point. Think of right. yourself more as a movie director and everything you write in the story is made of scenes, it's a scene you create. Right. with a beginning and an end. And you just think that they're all actors and you're asking the actors to act, to, to show this and that part of the story. So in that way, again, you're showing and not telling. Yeah. So that comes again. And that's the way they expect now, expectors, not a big description of, of some dinner or sunrise. You, you, you need the description, all right. But they, the people now want to know the emotions being exposed and expressed, or right. being hidden, <laughs> so right. much more than before, much more. They they want to imagine. If you think of people like faucets and others. Mm-hmm. They brought in brought in these things. It is terror or violence or love, whatever it is. Right. You had to, and you learn that. You learn that because yeah. you want to. Just go. Just use your. Just go. Go with your, the book that you write. You are unique, and the book will be unique.
1: Yes, that's true. So
0: don't, don't worry about
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> so where can my audience find you if they want to find your books? Do you have a website? Tell, give us a little bit of contact information.
0: Yes, i got a website. So it's um, www. And my name is uh, one one word, Naveen Sridhar.
1: You want to spell that for us?
0: Uh, dot com.
1: Okay, so it's N-A-V-E-E-N. S-R-I-D-H-A-R.com. Okay.
0: Uh, That's my website. Otherwise, you can also write to my email address. You have my email address. I have
1: your email. I can put that in the show notes. Yeah.
0: Because there I check my email every day.
1: Oh, good. Okay.
0: Uh, I I would like to encourage and help um, because I also got quite a lot of help. Even now I'm getting help. I would say youngsters, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> if you forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really important, too. There are quite a few corners. You can cut corners. You don't have to pick up a big book and start to write, writing. You're old enough to right. have gone through life, yeah, and you have an experience, yeah, and you know what it is, and you, you also have accomplished a lot. So, yeah, you look at it in a different way than a 20-year-old.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think you need a certain amount of life experience before you yes, can really write. Yes, it's yes. it's easier, we'll say, because some writers start when they're young and they write their whole life. I mean, they especially fiction. But I think the more life experience you have, the more you want to get a story out there. And then it is a personal story. It's something yes. that you have a passion for. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It works. It works. So I will have all that information in the show notes. I'll have Naveen's website so that you can go find it. You can also find his books on Amazon. So you can go there. My website is kickassboomers.com. So when you go, you'll look for Naveen's picture. Click on his picture and all the show notes will be right there. So you'll be able to find his website and everything if you didn't get a chance to write it down today. So thank you so much for being my guest on Kick Ass Boomers. I really enjoyed hearing your story, especially since I also have the connection to Berlin. You're living in Berlin. It made it a lot of fun to to talk. So thank you for being my guest.
0: Oh, for me it was a great honor and a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Much. And I encourage, and I encourage my audience to go and look your books up, buy your books, read the stories. <laughs> And you have a new one out now so they can find. What's the name of your recent one, the one that just came out? What What's the name of that book?
0: It's a book about the very first literary person ever recorded wow, in the whole world. And that was in 2300 B.C., a Sumerian priestess, who was also a princess and a poet. And um, these are all facts. She was the daughter of uh, Sargon the Great, the first emperor. And uh, these are all facts. So uh, then I was surprised to find that no book has been written about her, although she is known. Oh. In fact, her poems and her hymns were known for centuries after her. Mm. So I honored her by writing a book, fiction, of course, Mm -hmm. around her, but there are at least two, she and the antagonists are real characters whom she has described, and quite a few events or events that she has described in her hymns. She used to write personal stuff also in the hymn. Oh, wow. Asking the goddess to help her in the misery and so on. And uh, so that was a great advantage for me. I don't know the language, but I, I went into the translations as I said, again, the research was I, was, I was so happy doing research as I had to check myself. And it was very interesting uh, for me even now. And this lady, you know, well, um, uh, she was much like her father. And so to say, the was of the old block, um, uh, very adamant and resolute. And you know the, what I admire about women is, I admire such women who are resilient mm-hmm. and who can really make it in their lives. And these women are the forgotten women in history. It's always, always, always about.
1: Yeah, the women are always forgotten.
0: I I, I asked my sister, my sister is in India. I asked my sister, has it occurred to you that God speaks only to men? God (laughs) never speaks to a woman. Right. Whoever the prophet, it's a man and God only chooses that man, not his wife.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you wrote this book honoring a woman. I think that's great. So that's wonderful.
0: That's that's becoming my department in a way, because the next book I'm writing is also about an Egyptian queen.
1: (laughs) There you go. Well, I love that. (laughs) I look for facts
0: and these Uh facts have been out there. But the right. history never made a story out of it because they said, "Oh, I cannot do that." Right. And they look for records. If you look for records, all the things praise is only about the you know. If you look at all the scripts and scriptures, and well, it's all about men. Yep. So if, uh, women, as as in the first book, as the book we are discussing, it's about men. Right. Second World War. You look at the Cold War, or Second World War. It's only about men. Yep. Yep.
1: And women are getting upset about that. Like women my age yeah, in their sixties, <laughs> they're very upset that women don't get their due. Women aren't respected, and we're not. And so this is great that you're giving that respect to women. I love I'm upset.
0: it. I'm upset about it, and and this become a department bye by. So now I can look uh, for the next alpha woman.
1: Great, I love it. Well, now I you have any I, please,
0: please yes. give me a suggestion. You are also an alpha woman. In my, as I was looking at that, that how how you are concerned with all people and yep. and you're spending your time. Uh, oh, that's really terrific because it's it's not only about writing. You're having interviewing people about all kinds of personal experiences that I
1: right. had, right?
0: Oh, that's marvelous.
1: Anything to help boomers be better people because. We're going to live longer than anybody before us. So we don't know really what to do and how to do it. It's new to us. So if I talk with other people about their stories, it gives other boomers ideas. Oh, that's something I could try. I could maybe do that because there's really no roadmap for us. So it's I find it very helpful to share other people's stories. So yeah. I'm, I'm right. happy it's to do it. It's an
0: honor pleasure for me to have met you. That's yes. most important.
1: Well, Thank and you. I'm happy to have met you, too. This was great. And you're my first Indian man that I've <laughs> interviewed, which I'm happy because I do have a lot of people from India that listen to my podcast. So yeah. they'll be happy to hear you, too.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Mrs. Uh, Lorbeer, I still have kind of an inhibition. I'm an old old timer. May I call you Terry?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. okay. So for me, still Mrs. Lorbe. No,
1: please call me Terry. <laughs> everyone calls me Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in your 80s, so that is the time. But no, I encourage everyone to call me Terry.
0: And uh, do you speak German now?
1: I understand most of it, but... Ah. You know, I, I'm not around German speaking people a lot, so I'm not good. Now, when I fly over to visit after I'm there a couple of days, it comes back. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah. My husband said you should speak German to him. And I'm like, I don't use it enough. I'm not going to be able to say anything. <laughs> Germany, it starts coming back. And sometimes yeah. I have to speak to relatives. I have to speak German because they don't speak English. And then I'll kind of put something together, but. I don't use mm-hmm. it enough. But you know, if you don't use it, you lose it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the problem. I, I also speak German, uh, French and Spanish and, and quite a few languages. When you're in English, for instance, I'm speaking now in English with you right. for the first time in months.
1: Oh, uh, well, you're doing very well. So very I had
0: well. to I had to practice a bit and uh, the, the intonation yes. is different and the pronunciation is different. Yes. I listened to your podcast mainly for that. To, oh, to get into the flow of the language of different yes. persons talking to you, different accents. And uh, you're right. Uh, you need at least a couple of days or a couple of uh, hours to listening. Uh, again, right. passive. Just listen. And then you yes. get into
1: Then it comes back. Yep. Well, thank you. I hope my thank people you. enjoyed the thank conversation. You. I certainly did. I think thank they will too. And your books, now that they know they're about women, I have more female listeners than male. I have male oh. too, but I'd say 70% female, 30% male. So they're going to want to read your other books
0: oh, because they're about you.
1: females, right?
0: <laughs> I wrote for them. I wrote for them. I wrote for the women.
1: Thank you. We're happy. Thank you very much. Keep it up. And I'll have my audience will want to read them then. Thank you so much.
0: Thank thank you. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.